0: Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life, who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned, we're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is renowned Canadian horseman Glenn Stewart of Glenn Stewart Horsemanship. This episode is the first of a three-part series that encompasses our entire conversation. In episode number one, you get to learn a little bit about who Glenn is and where he got his start, his early mentors in horsemanship, and we talk a lot about his interesting perspective of improve, don't prove. Glenn shares incredible wisdom that was developed from his experiences of teaching all over the world. I really enjoyed my time with Glenn and I hope you do too. For more information on Glenn Stewart and his horsemanship, visit thehorseranch.com. Glenn's content is also published on various social media platforms under Glenn Stewart Horsemanship. We are definitely looking forward to Glenn competing this year at Heart of the Horse, and we hope to see you all there. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is episode number one with Glenn Stewart. Glenn, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Jason. I'm good. Thank you very much for making time for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Obviously, we always look forward to to meeting with guests and learning from them and, and hearing everybody else's perspective on horsemanship.
1: Well, thank you. I'm uh, honored and grateful to have a chat, and I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, so you're just finishing up a camp there at the, at the ranch, correct?
1: Yes. Um, we're right in the middle of our normal summer camps here. We've got... Uh, just over a month of straight camps, and I'm
0: right in the middle of it. So what does a typical camp consist of for you up there at the ranch?
1: Well, we have a, I have a stages program that people can work through, and they all start at stage one and, and can work their way up to, well, stage eight at the moment. And uh, so they, the camps always start at stage one, and they, they last four days minimum, and then we have a day off and then another four days. So some people will come... I used to have camps here for three months straight. Now they're just over a month. And, uh, they, uh, yes, we're in the middle of those and they just keep moving along and, and working their way through the camps. It's not, they don't necessarily pass stage one in four days, but they get to see everything that's in stage one. And then we do stage two and, uh that's four
0: days long. Obviously the stages are just the different progressions of, of kind of the foundational stuff's taught in one, and then you progress it a little bit more advanced stuff as the program moves along.
1: Yeah. So we try to teach, uh, online Liberty freestyle and finesse. Like we try to teach anything you do with on a line with a horse, anything you might want to do at Liberty where you turn your horses loose. Freestyle riding, you ride with loose rein or nothing on your horse's head whatsoever. And riding with contact or finesse riding, So um, so we try to teach those four areas and we just put them in, um, kind of as the person needs to know what the human needs to know it and, and in an order that makes sense to the horse.
0: And that's the toughest part in a lot of this, right?
1: It is, um, <laughs> in order for, well, for the person is the hard part. Yes, absolutely. The horse is, yes. Okay. So the, the, I could take those same four days with a horse and go really far, you know once you know what you're supposed to be doing you can move a horse along faster than you move a human and i would have never guessed that years ago i would guess you know because we're we're the we're the smartest species on earth and and all that business i just thought there'd be no way that i could teach it to a horse faster than i could teach it to a human but that any horse any person that's been on horses for any length of time will tell you the same thing that it's actually quicker and easier to get the horses to it than it is the
0: people I was going to say, in in spending enough time with horses, you start to question the theory of how how intelligent yeah. is a human being, right? I think the horse kind of <laughs> yeah. might have a leg up on us more days than uh, it does it.
1: It's yeah. I mean, we keep taking credit for everything us humans and saying that we're this and we're that, but sometimes I wonder because I I've, I've made the same mistakes myself and struggled through the same things myself and. And so I sometimes wonder who is the smart one. Um, Yeah,
0: and I think uh, the biggest, as far as like common denominators, right, the hardest thing for me personally has been removing the human from the aspect of learning and teaching and thinking and trying to instill or impart more horse in my perspective or my approach when when working with them. Yeah,
1: I bring that up all the time with people. that If we could get rid of some of our human tendencies – and uh, take on a few more horse tendencies we'd sure get along with horses better not only that we get along with our neighbor better and our friends better and our you know family better and and some of the tendencies that most of the tendencies that horses have not all but most of them are good value like there's a great value in picking up some of those
0: Absolutely. So, let's get into a little bit of your history. You've you've been responsible for horses from a very, very young age, pretty much as, as early as one could actually start. Let's talk a little bit about where you grew up, how you grew up, and, and then we'll work towards the, the transition of horsemanship and how it became a profession for you. Sure.
1: Um, well, when I, I actually went up to grade three and we lived kind of in a little everybody had an acre of land or whatever so we didn't have horses but i was kind of a city kid i guess you could say that at that point in my life was a more of a city kid up till nine but uh, uh, nine years old but i still had was around horses all through that time but we didn't actually have a farm or a ranch that that we lived on but we did have horses i remember the first <clears throat> first time i uh got i don't know if i got Cow kicked or struck, which one it was, but that was one of my first experiences with a horse. Was my dad owned a feed mill and he he said uh, they had a horse tied out there because my uncle always had horses and there was a horse tied up tethered out there on a rope and my dad said you stay away from that horse out there and of course soon as dad wasn't looking I hustled out to that horse and i just over and had, take a look oh i just had such an interest <laughs> in horses <laughs> even at a young age and so i went out there and there was mosquitoes on them biting them and everywhere and i thought well i'll just reach out and kill some of those mosquitoes well that was that was a big mistake as oh, soon as man. i reached out slapped that mosquito he got me with i don't know i don't know what it was it sent me rolling through the grass and but they knew you know they knew that he was not Kid-friendly horse, or you know, that he was probably a green horse. I don't, don't, don't know that he hadn't been handled much, anyways. And mm-hmm. so that was my first experience to go uh, to get that. But then uh, he must have seen the interest I had in horses, I guess, because it wasn't long after that he got me a horse, and we were still uh, living in that little acreage. And um, so I would pedal my bike from school over to where the horse was, which was my dad's feed mill and jump on that horse, and one of the um, trips that I would do, it was kind of down the fields, kind of off of the, there was a main highway that run through there, and I was, there was lots of farmer's fields on either side of the highway, and there was a gas station at the far end about, about a mile down there, so every day I'd come down, catch my horse, jump on him, and gallop down that field around to the gas station, come back up alongside the highway and there's a dugout right there on the highway. We'd swim the dugout and then back to the feed mill and turn the horse loose, jump on my bike and go home. (laughs) And that was my thing. And so, and I don't recall, I don't recall getting one lesson. I must've, but I don't recall anybody saying, you got to do this. You got to do that. You know, like, like I've done with my girls
0: I was just saying, oh, isn't it, it, it? So much of it is a testament to the joys of being young, right? I mean, t- take your adults. How many adults in your clinics would you just say, "Hey, go grab that horse and just run off and yeah, run never. to the swimming hole, jump in, and then run back when you're done"? And it's that easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: there's nothing to it. You'll be fine. Yeah, have, you're fun. Good. have fun, son. You know. So I was, you know, somewhere between six and nine because um, we left there when I was nine. Um, so somewhere in there, I was riding taking off and galloping down the thing and and then as I got more adventuresome and as they, you know, I come back with the horse every day, I guess they started letting me go other places because they wanted to know where I was going but then, the first time I got drug I was under nine years old too, oh, and no. they were, um, you know, always safety first.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know what what was considered safety? You know, don't don't take too many things. Just shove them on. I'd say safety
0: could be relative, right? That's it a relative is, term.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. So, so they didn't give me a saddle because that would be safe, so I wouldn't get hung up in the saddle. However, um, <clears throat> they thought I should they should tie my reins together because you know, so I didn't accidentally drop my reins. So they tied my reins together. Knowing what I know now, you know, it would have been handy if somebody to said doesn't matter if you drop a rein just bend them to a stop and you know yeah get there, your there's a way we can get out. that back yeah <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we can so they didn't know that either so whatever they thought, tie the reins together so i went down into a draw <laughs> some other people come up the draw spooked my horse and he spun around and i kind of flip back and my feet come up you know over the neck sort of deal and i come off but as they come off i took a twist on my ankle on the reins as the horse took off with my ankle because i was a little kid and uh, drugged me along with the reins, and probably that's why he stopped right away, and, and is because it was you know, pulling on his head. There's a little bit of resistance. Yeah, like <laughs> a kid dragging by your head. So, oh,
0: yeah. What, a, what an yeah. experience at such an early age, and then for you to not only stick with horses, and then now make it a make it a way of life.
1: Yeah, when I get thinking back on it, my uh, that's a pretty. You know, there were some pretty good, <laughs> pretty tough lessons to learn real early, and keep coming back for more. Because I know, of, you know, I know with other kids through life that fell off or something, that's it; they won't have nothing to do with the horse. Yeah. But there must be, there must be, maybe, maybe there is something that some of us are more apt to stick
0: with horses than others. Maybe I don't know. I think it's all the 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 old cliche adage, right? I mean, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood. Yeah, maybe it's tough there's. To shake. there's some could be some truth to that
1: I, yeah. on the other side of the thing i've seen it where people weren't interested at all and uh they just kind of followed their wives around from horse show to horse show and and uh had no interest in horses whatsoever and then all of a sudden uh, there's one fellow that come to one of my clinics and uh, whatever i was seeing and whatever he was seeing he's he got interested in horses and now he's one of the biggest horse fanatics there is and and you know he that was in his He's Probably 40 or yeah, 40s, and he'd just been following his wife around, not interested whatsoever. But then at that clinic, he there was something that was said. I remember him sitting in the chair watching the clinic, and he'd fall asleep in the chair, you know, he's just bored, stiff, going, Oh, god, here we go, another yep, clinic, here we go. And uh, so he was bored to death, but as the clinic went on he started sitting up in his chair more and he's he's quit falling asleep and he started sitting up straighter and he started leaning forward and he started asking questions and and, uh,
0: yeah so that's pretty (sighs) unique set of circumstances for somebody that late and you know even having even having some exposure uh, usually when people get started that late it's because they've never had exposure to horses right and then they're introduced to them and it lights a fire and they're on their way but uh, mm-hmm. Somewhat unique when you describe somebody who is around it because of their wife, and they're not really interested. And then all of a sudden, something yeah. clicked. Right, a fire was ignited yeah. somewhere, and now it becomes a burning passion.
1: Yeah, some, some, somehow, something that was said, and I don't know exactly what. And yeah, I, he come to clinics him and his wife for twin twelve years, probably. Oh wow yeah he's got his own horses he's got his own custom saddles he's going to competitions he's doing demonstrations he's just went uh he was a police chief yeah oh no um, kid
0: yeah that's incredible. incredible yeah it
1: was really really interesting to watch him and I thought, oh my God that guy's bored. It's- the tears, you know, when, I, <laughs> when, I, when he first got here. He hates being here. I felt so him, oh. uh, But uh, all of a sudden, I just could watch his body language. And he just started to perk up and perk up, and pretty soon he's right into it. So,
0: I mean, it's just a, in my, I guess, third-party opinion looking at the situation, you know, sometimes people don't understand the power mm-hmm. and the feeling mm-hmm. and the emotion that is created, the confidence that cr- is created by handling a horse. And so much of the show is life parallels of, hey, when we're working with horses, there's things that we do that are direct application to life, you know. And once people start to grasp that concept and feel the success of some of these concepts, it's infectious.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, horsemanship is so way beyond getting your horse, like what I call, you know, what I would call true horsemanship. It's it's so far beyond – moving your horse you know and and asking your horse to do something it's so far beyond that it isn't even funny it's i would have never known it because i was around horses my whole life doing kind of the normal thing that people do with horses and um and it wasn't in that part of it like that 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 type of riding around it didn't show up this what I do and have learnt and teach now. Uh it's a completely different um completely different monster. There's uh it's absolutely changes who you are. Uh you know, I've got people that are you know, managers and own business owners and and um consultants and all kinds of stuff and it's absolutely changed their their business and absolutely changed what they do with their employees and how they approach things with their family. And I get that all the time uh, from people. And, well, even more dramatic, I suppose, than that is I've dealt with people that have had, you know, abuse in all different forms and fashions. And you can pretty much tell when they come to the show up at the clinic that something's very dramatically wrong. Something's Something's went on in their life, or is going on in their life that's not right. You can tell, and uh, and just by going to the clinics and following some of the lessons and doing some of the things that we need to do and being who we need to be, you know, to get the most from the horse and stuff. The uh, the change in the people is dramatic, and I've had parents come up to me and tell me they don't even know their kid anymore. and You know, this. Thank you so much. They were the kid that you know hid in the back room whenever there's people around now they're the life of the party and um just absolutely absolutely changes people i've had people that were on the verge of suicide and and, uh and often i don't know what the real thing is i find out later yeah i just know something's going on and sometimes i don't know anything's going on sometimes i i don't realize that any that they're in any kind of Trouble whatsoever, but um, but uh, yeah, I've had people that were right ready to commit suicide, and and they said no, nah, nah, they're all absolutely changed their
0: outlook on life. And- <clears throat> what I think is the greatest blessing in all of this, and you talk about having these experiences with these people that are troubled, and you're able to tell, you are able to tell. I think, I think more specifically, people that are invested in horsemanship truly invested in horsemanship, have that ability because horsemanship develops your your awareness, right? Your awareness of your surroundings, the awareness of energy, the awareness of emotion. The the biggest hurdle in a lot of this is that human beings are able to lie to human beings, right? I could be having the toughest day in the world, but I will sit here and have a conversation with you and you would never even know, right? Because I will act or portray as though I'm happy or those I'm content and life is good. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you start getting into horses, I mean, that horse reads that emotional awareness far greater than the human being. And when I've done some work with with folks that are facing challenges, they will lie to you. I, I know something's up. I'm not going to tip my hand and, and let them know that. But then once you put that troubled individual next to a horse, right, and you start to see that nervous energy develop in that horse and grow in that horse. Now we start to develop a different level of awareness, and it's showing those troubled individuals that hey, something's going on. That horse ain't quite acting right; like he's not settled, he's not confident. You know, is there something <laughs> bothering you? And then from there, right, if if you approach it in a non-threatening manner, people start to open up. People start to develop their own levels of awareness, and I think as the awareness develops and in people's progression in horsemanship, you know, so does confidence, so does decision making, so does emotional stability, and and. I mean, the growth is just absolutely exponential from there.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, the same messages and same approach that you would take with a horse, and the same approach that that we need to have and use <clears throat> is the same thing. that I think that'll serve you fairly well in in life. And like you said, um, I know for sure people that 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 have anxiety, depression, these things that I didn't think existed when I was little. I just thought, oh, you're just being you know, just being silly, but I found out no, they're real things and, yeah. uh, yeah. people are, are definitely struggling from them and, and absolutely they will be the smiliest person you've ever met. And they're actually just struggling like crazy. And, uh, and maybe for good reason, you know, maybe there's s- something going on or whatever. Um, but whatever, whatever it is, however it is, you know, I'm a long ways from a psychologist or whatever, but, um, uh, I just know from playing with horses that, <clears throat> that, uh, it has sure helped a lot of people and just how we're supposed to be with a horse translates into their life. And it's amazing how it, you know, you're, you're, you're meant to be assertive with horses. You're not, you're not supposed to be passive and you're not supposed to be aggressive and you got to be able to bring your energy up and drop your energy uh, down and, you know, be firm when you need to be soft when you need to. And, and often it's softer than you, are being and often it's firmer than you're comfortable being it's often you know the the realm of where you need to be depending on the horse that you're with you might need to be a lot softer than you've ever been or you might need to be firmer than you're comfortable being and so your box has to you know the box that you've been living in, what what you call assertive, or you know, some people I will admit right off the bat, no, I'm very passive, I'm very passive, and so that won't get you very far with horses. You'll get minimal done with them. The horse will figure that out real quick. If you're aggressive with horses, you know they get scared and start to defend themselves. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they'll they'll you can move them around, but it'll be out of fear and worry, and and so controlling ourselves and making sure that we're staying in that in the realm of being assertive and, and what really assertive means because you know one person what some people will believe that if you brought your life up then that means you're aggressive <clears throat> you know they if you brought your energy up or if or if they had to bring their energy up higher than they're comfortable bringing their energy up they would call that aggressive um because of their perspective on things or or because of bringing their energy up makes their emotions come up and emotions. Don't yeah. really play anything in it like you don't you're not supposed to train horses with emotion yeah you know it's uh you're going to have emotions around horses, but you can't let that get in the way of your thing and you got to control your emotions and it's easier to control your emotions if you really truly understand horses and you truly you know uh if you really look at horses for what they are and and how they how they do things out in the pasture and with each other and and we stick within that realm we're golden
0: yeah it's and incredible yeah. the uh it's incredible the versatility of it, and, and I, obviously, we're not doctors and psychologists like you mentioned, uh, but if you look at it, right, people have certain conditions and they're they're given a certain drug, or they have a different condition, they're given a different drug. What's incredible is that no matter where on any spectrum, right, of developmental issues, uh, mental health issues, life stressors in general, the horse has an applicable lesson that can benefit somebody. It's just having that mentor and... and trying to open up and developing the awareness is really what it comes down to. It's incredible that that one animal can serve so many purposes across so many different lifestyles and personalities. It's just, it's an absolute blessing. It is. Yeah,
1: I, I uh, <clears throat> on planes and stuff, I'll be flying somewhere, and often I'm the only cowboy hat on the whole plane. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, so I just stick out like a sore thumb or I'm yeah. the only cowboy hat in the whole airport. And uh, so people are looking at you, and then you get stuck you know you're on a plane beside somebody and so inevitably they'll go so what do you do rodeo or exactly are you from
0: texas
1: (laughs) yes are you from texas that's the first question are you from texas they know total opposite corner of north america yeah (laughs) but um so anyways the conversation goes you know and you start to tell them and you say well i teach horsemanship and they say what's that Raining or cutting or you know or you mean rodeo or you know so they will talk about disciplines you know they they, they say they name off disciplines and we talked earlier about how i believe horsemanship is is the is the tree and and raining, cutting dressage, jumping racing all these things are branches on on the tree and the whole tree and all the branches and leaves and everything on there is the horsemanship that feeds that tree. Um, and so you'll try to explain that to the, the people and go, oh, okay. And a non-horse person has no problem with that. Oh, okay, good, cool. Um, and then, and then sometimes that they'll bring up certain disciplines. They go, oh, don't you think that's cruel? And don't you think this is this? And don't you think that's that? And I go, well, there's one thing that I do think, and I'm very strong about my thoughts and issues you'd never you'd never convince me otherwise um uh horses in people's lives and people in horses lives make people better and horses better especially uh, like astronomically better if you're doing what i would consider true horsemanship because like i said i did a certain type of horsemanship for years that wasn't improving me or the horse minimally But horses' lives are better because of humans and humans' lives. And not just the human, that that particular human, but the people that are going to be touched by that human down the road. What that person will bring to other people is going to be better than what it was if they're following true horsemanship. I absolutely believe that that, uh, society is a better place as long as we can keep horses. Animals in general – But it seems to me horses more so than anything. And if you're following that true horsemanship uh, idea of true horsemanship that uh, the changes that we have to make, there's just no possible way not that it won't make for a better spouse, parent, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, worker, employee, boss. Uh, It just helps all of those things. Uh, um, And people see it as I'm going through teaching because my, um, you know, I first got into this cause I like horses. I like being outdoors, you know? So when I was in school, they say, well, what do you want to do for a living? And I go, well, um, Let's see. <laughs> what are you going to go to college for? I'm thinking, "Oh man, there's nothing in yeah, college that I want to do." Here we go. And uh <laughs> shoot. So I'm trying to figure that one out and I and they go, well, so, "Well, what do you want to do? What do what would you like to, you know? Wow, geez I like horses and I like the outdoors." And you know, and they look at me like, "Okay, well, yeah, but what are you going to do for work?" Yeah, exactly. How yeah. are you going to make money? How are you going to how are you going to raise a family? How are you going to build a house? All this stuff. And I thought, yeah, I don't know a soul that's making a living with horses, you know, and, and doing that stuff. I actually did not know a soul at the time. I knew people that were doing it on the weekends. I knew people that, you know, had a, had three other jobs and then they would give a couple lessons or something or they'd start a colt or whatever. So I didn't actually know anybody. So I thought, yeah, that, that's nice thought, but but anything can happen. So off to the oil patch, I went and, and I worked in logging and oil patch and, you know, run equipment and. Did that for years, but never, the horses were always part of everything. Like I was always, had horses in my year and owned horses and, and took on other jobs and started colts and then worked in the mountains and did these different things with horses. So they never did, did leave. And then, um, you know, as I, as the years went by, come to find out, oh my golly, there is the odd person out there actually doing nothing but that. Yeah, And, um, so I started, I got into the horse industry and then fast forward, I'm doing my horse stuff and, and learning more and teaching and doing my song and dance. And, you know, what I believe to be, you know, what I know at the moment to be, to be true for me anyways, um, they, uh, people in the clinics that own companies or work for companies or, you know, the presidents of companies, whatever they start asking if I would come and do talks for their company and i remember the first two or three times people asked if i'd come and do a talk i think the first one i remember being asked for is to go do a talk for a sawmill that
0: should be interesting we're having
1: our yeah we're having our annual uh blah 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 and we want you to come and talk to the people the guys at the sawmill and i'm thinking you know i'm looking at um, who get who to talk to the sawmill guys? what are you talking about yeah. why would i why would I talk to what the heck do I, I, I bring, bring to the table well i don't even I don't even do it. I don't bring nothing yeah. to the table that I can see and I thought well and I, and I don't do it It's not even my I don't even know the first thing about it, and i'm I'm about as you know I'd rather jump off a bridge or wrestle a grizzly bear than, <laughs> than talk to a, a group of people you know in a in an industry yeah. Yeah, no so I said, no. yeah, I just said no, no, I'm not doing that. And, you know, they kept after me and I'd said, Nope, no, we'll not do it. And, uh, and then, uh, I don't know, a few years later, then I had to do a talk in front of uh, another group of people. And they said, we want to fly you down and, and we want you to do this talk. And we'll, we'll have a room full of people and we'll have a supper. And we want you to come and do a talk. And I said, same thing. Nope, I'm not doing that. I have, I don't even know why you'd ask me. It's ridiculous. and, and, but the message that they that they were hearing from me in the clinics doing the horse stuff was what they wanted me to share with whatever their group of people was. And uh, so, anyways, I that one I ended up finally they they you know so we'll fly you down hotel everything's covered we'll pay you. And finally, I said I got to get over this, you know, and, and go do this dang thing. And and it was going to help my business if I could do it because there was potential clients that I was talking to in that situation. And so I thought, man, if I could do this, but I went, I, I did, I went down, I did, it was a total disaster. Um, I was just terrible at it. I was so nervous and, you know, it was, I, I, you know, I just had no clue how to do it. And I was such a nervous wreck about it that, that, uh, it was a, it was a waste of time and a joke and everything else. And, uh, then I was mad at myself afterwards and I thought, you spineless baby, suck it up. And the next time somebody asks you to talk, go up there and get it done, you know, what's gonna, you know, you're not, nobody asks you to cut your leg off. I mean, Let's I think talk. it's, a, it's a huge
0: hurdle though. I mean, because public speaking inherently, right, is is yes. somewhat nerve wracking. And to be able to formulate your words on the fly and be articulate and send a message that has any kind of continuity is challenging. And I think a big is, just a big hurdle for people in general, right, is we almost have naturally have like a, self-deprecating attitude. We don't really give ourselves credit for what we're actually good enough to do or what we're willing to do. I mean, and and if you think about it on the contrary, when you were at these camps or clinics speaking to these people on the matter of horsemanship, you were able to motivate them in such a way and instill such a message that they asked you to use those same exact words to influence the success of their business, something that they have probably dedicated their whole entire life to. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, but it, it, it goes back to perspective because I've had those same exact hurdles. Like, what in God's green earth does anybody want to hear me have to say? Yeah. Right. But then, but then once you start to develop perspective on the situation, and it's tough, you know, I recently spoke at a, excuse me, spoke at a conference for, Uh, virtually the entire west coast and when i got the invite i thought wow what a great opportunity but then as i start to develop the content i'm thinking to me this stuff is just basic this is how i've lived life this is how i've conducted business but once you actually air it out a little bit and put yourself out there and run the risk of exposure right because there's going to be people that aren't aren't thrilled to hear what you have to say or don't care what you have to say but yeah you realize the overwhelming majority of people are actually into it and they love learning and then the more you do it, you start to develop the skill of storytelling, right? And you just start to develop the skill of working a stage or working a crowd. And um, even though you say this first event was less than successful, right? It sets a foundation of <laughs> yeah. where you don't want to be, right? So now you know yep. where you need to oh, be.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it took. It was a, a series of things because as I did more and more talks, the crowds got bigger, and uh, you know I've had the talk in front of eight thousand people as the biggest one to date. And um, wow. and I still don't see myself as a public speaker. I've talked in lots of crowds in front of thousand, three hundred, you know. So I've done lots of those twenty, thirty crowds, you know, and and all different levels of you know the prejudice, uh, president and and his accountants and lawyers and 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 uh, secretaries or whatever from the largest company in Canada, you know, had them all out, and I'm thinking, well, what the heck am I? Go-? tell these guys like I'm, and, <laughs> yeah,
0: i get it
1: and, I, and then i you know as, as i change my outlook and perspective on things i go well first of all i truly don't believe I, I truly don't believe that i'm a guest or a public speaker so i don't even see myself in that light like so i go so there should be a little less pressure on me you know like i'm thinking to myself put Put less pressure on yourself. You're yeah. not going up there to prove to everybody that you're a speaker. Yeah. You're telling them right up front, I'm no speaker. Yeah. And so I, I changed to – and I, I've used this in competition and everything. And I, and I and I think I'm not going there to prove anything to anybody. I'm going to improve. I hope that what I do or say or whatever, whatever I'm there, whatever's happening on this particular day, that – they appreciate it, and I do a good job at it. However, I'm not there to prove anything to anybody. I'm only there to improve. I'm going there to learn something, and and well, you know one of the reasons I agreed to do the podcast is because I go well. That's a chance for me to improve. It get be more comfortable with these yeah. types of things, and and I, there's always something to learn from it. So, I've done most every competition I go into. It's I absolutely, truthfully from my heart, I'm going there to improve not to prove to anybody nothing just to if i was going to prove anything to anything it'd be proved to the horse something but it'll be no i want to prove to the horse that you know me and him can be together and we can do this together and under this time limit or you know i want to prove to that horse that i'm a good guy and that i have some skills but as far as proving to the people i'm not there to do that i'm only prove i'm only there to improve and and that's the message that I would like people to even pick up on without me ever saying it. I go, no, I think he's just working on himself out there. I think he's, you know, and lots wouldn't obviously, but that's what I go there. It takes the pressure off. Cause I just go, no, I'm in there to improve. I don't, I don't claim to be this, that, or anything. I'm just there. There's always room for improvement. So I, I'm going to learn a lot from this particular um, event. And so, Yes, and and so I used to say no to all these types of things. Anything I hadn't done in the past, I say no, 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 no. And the power of yes is is unbelievable. And it, thank heavens that uh, I actually realize the power of yes and that no you're not going to die if you have to be talking to (laughs) these people and no you're not going to die if you have to go in this competition that you know it's not the end of the world and you'll be fine and just put you know go there to improve yourself and and let let the chips fall where they may and and uh it's been it's been the boy i tell you there's a message for people that quit saying no If if you've been saying no to stuff don't say no say yes just go there And if you do fall flat on your face, oh well, you'll learn from it and and carry on. But it's it's so far from the end of the world. You know, I see public speakers that call themselves public speakers, put themselves out there public speakers, and I really think they're pretty bad. Yeah. (laughs) And they've been doing it for years and they call themselves. I've never called myself
0: a public speaker. Well, so I think I'm... it's a it's a huge hurdle in the in the Western industry being that it's so unregulated, right? I mean, I could yep. go print some farrier business cards right now today. I ain't never driven yes. a nail in a horse's hoof a day in my life. Mm-hmm. So I could drive around and start start literally start working today at it, yeah. you know? And
1: yeah. You can give your give yourself a title in a lot of areas. You can just give yourself a title and off you go.
0: Yeah. And I think as you sit here and describe this this motto, don't prove, improve, I mean, the light bulb went off for me. There's so many times are we afraid of judgment, right? Yes. And and it's almost to the point where it's paralyzing or crippling or yes. we, we have an opportunity and we we do not capitalize on it because we're afraid of being judged on the other side. Yep. And uh, it's an incredible perspective. I'm going to start implying it right now, this very second today. I think it's incredible to think of it in in that regard because when you work on improvement, you work on yourself. and And like you said, you don't have to worry about all the outside distractions.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you do, you get so worried about what other people are thinking, I get that in clinics and people go, Oh, I can't do that. People are watching me in the clinic and, you know, and I would go, Oh, I can't go up on that stage. There's 300 people here and they all know me and they've never heard me talk and they don't know that, you know, they, they know me, but they don't know me. You know, they're relatives and they're friends and and, and like, I've done some in in our own hometown and I've done them around the world, but, but uh, you know, different scenarios, bother me for different reasons they go oh these people some of them will know me and then i go well these guys are multi-millionaires and this is a sawmill and i don't know nothing about sawmills and you know so i have all these things going through your head oh i can't do this can't do that and then but when i change my perspective i said, "No, i'm going there to improve not prove and you can't control what the people are thinking that are in the stands and i think if you're head and hearts in the right place and you go no i'm going there to improve i'm going to tell them something i'm passionate about i'm going to talk about what i do know about i'm not going to talk about stuff i don't know i'm not going to tell anybody what to do or how to do it you know when it comes to their businesses and stuff like that i'm just going to talk about the stuff that i know the stuff that has served me if it serves them awesome use it um but it's not a you know it's it's and I'm, and I tell, and I tell everybody, I say I'm going to get more out of this than you guys, and I, I apologize for that right now. <laughs> but, but uh, I actually, uh, the the person that gets the most out of these situations is the person that is in the hot
0: seat. Yeah, and it's um, it's funny. I preface <laughs> the same present, or I preface the same context and presentation myself as it. I tell people, I, I apologize, but I'm going to be really, really, really selfish today. Um, there's 30, 40, 50, 500 of you that I get to learn from. And unfortunately, you just get to learn from me. So sorry. And yes. uh, <laughs> But yeah. it's true though, right? There's so much experience to life and uh, whether it be yeah. horsemanship or, or any given profession or or just people's personal lives in general. And that's been a big driving force of this show is it for me, the horse taught me how to take control back of my life, right? How to instill leadership again in myself. I had lost track of it and and life was getting tough for me but it was a change in perspective that the horse afforded me that put me right back on the right track and i thought to myself god if i could if i could help one other soul feel this feeling like we've been successful and as i start to talk to different people who are influential in my kind of quote unquote inner circle at the time and you start to realize that we have so many experiences that we can lean on and and now this podcast has come to light. And that's that's the driving force. Is it what you've experienced in your life and your career? I mean, it's gonna benefit me tenfold. I tell people every single episode, like, I'm the luckiest guy on the show because I get to hear it from everybody. I get to ask the questions, I get to be involved, you know. I hope that these conversations provide value in other people's lives because we don't have to physically go through an experience to learn from it. We can learn from everybody else involved, right? And and that's that's how we try to focus on life enrichment and life improvement in this show.
1: Yeah, re- reinventing the wheel is, is silly. I'm a big fan of asking everybody's opinion on things that I don't know about. You know, if I don't know about this, don't know about that. Or, or I think I might not know about it. Or there might be a, a different way of doing something. I'm the first guy to ask everybody's opinion. So even – there's one of the other lessons, big life lessons that I've had with horses, because I spent more time with horses than most people will in their like, in a 15 year period. I spent more time with horses probably than most people will in in, 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 a, lifetime, their, yeah. in a whole lifetime. You know, like I, I my more than maybe 10 people would in a lifetime because we would be on a horse 100 days of the year for. um eight to 16 hours a day you were doing something with a horse or horses yeah and there's no vehicles no roads no nothing it was strictly everything was done and dealt with with a horse and um so for uh so you take 100 days a year eight to 16 hours a day you add those hours up and you think how much time that's in the four 15 year period you add that up and go wow you know, when people go out and get a one or two hour lesson a week or something, or or go out and ride their horses on the weekend for a couple hours Saturday and maybe a couple hours Sunday or something, that amount of horse experience is incredible. You know, it's yeah. an unbelievable. No, it's a- so, not, so, not even then, so then I would come to town and I would have my own horses that I'd play with and work and somebody bring horse over and i'd start colts and stuff so um you know the whole year i was with horses but that one section alone for 15 years so the amount of horse hours and experience i had was incredible however i still didn't know anything about the stuff that i do now and neither did any of the people that i worked with so i might on any given day i might be working with with 200 years of experience in the corral there might be people that are in the Together, total 200 years of experience that I could learn and watch from, but didn't know the stuff that I teach now. So, what blew my mind is that how in heck does all of us and everybody in there over that many years of experience and hours and stuff, nobody knows it, nobody really understands what's going on with the horse. How could this possibly be that we're going to go? And some of them went to their grave, you know, they're long gone. And they aren't doing anything different. The day they went to their grave is the day they started when they were twelve or something. You know, it's their horsemanship, thoughts, abilities, understanding of the horses, virtually the same. And I thought, you know, I'm probably mowing my lawn wrong because I've been I've been doing horses for that long and didn't know this stuff either. Yeah. And around all these people, and that was the best I'd got. And I thought, I wonder, you know, I probably. I probably don't know how to boil water. There's probably a different way to do that. I'm probably That's probably messed up. It really opened my eyes to go, you know what? I don't care what I've been doing or how long I've been doing it or who who told me that they've been doing it this way for 50 years. I don't care. Great. I will take that. But I'm not closing my mind down that, the, that there might be a better way.
0: Yeah. So, I want to I kind of develop this point a little bit. So, you talk about all these years, right? This 15-year window that you spent all the time in the saddle and you gained all this experience. And you come to the realization that maybe that experience wasn't as enriched as it possibly could have been. And even in those 15 years, you didn't know what you know and are working on now. So, for you personally, what was the transition from all that experience to the light bulb moment of things need to change. And I need to focus on getting more out of my horsemanship or maybe a different perspective on the, on the horsemanship.
1: Well, even during that, that period there, you'd be working with guys and some guys were fighting with horses on a regular basis day in and day out. They just never could, never could get around a horse. Like the, you know, you could do some with the horse and it was fine. Basically they would work with that horse and, and, um, and, uh, have nothing but troubles with it. So even within our group of no knowledge, even though we would be considered, we would have been considered like some serious dudes, you know, like we would have been because of what we did and the hours that we spent, the horses that we worked with, we'd have been considered, you know, like, woo. ask them everything. They know everything. Um, in actual fact, we knew very little. So, so even within that group of us, there was guys that could get things done with horses more so than somebody else could get with horses. But the perspective and the idea and the, the, the knowledge that was in the group was so skinny. It wasn't funny. And there was comments like, well, he does that because he likes it. You know, horse pulls back. He likes it. He likes to pull back. That horse likes to pull back. <laughs> yeah, they, they just, just love that. it. They're like, you know, they today I'm going to pull yeah. back. Yeah, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you, you can't, uh, you know, you can't, don't tie him up just because he likes to pull back. And then, and then that one will cow kick you, so watch him. There was never a way to fix it. It was just like that one will cow kick, that one will um, pull back, that one you can't catch, that one will strike you, um, that one you got to put him behind because he'll run off with you. You can't stop him. On and on went the problems and the stories. And, and, and it was just there's no fixing it. It was just – he likes it, or that's just the way this horse is, or he's stupid, or um, you know. The, the, so that was the perspective. That was the comments that were made, and so you had to, you had to uh, you know that was the best you had to go from. That was the that was their story. So you, you, nobody said, "Well, this is how you fix it. This is how this goes. This is how that goes." It's just they're stupid and they like it, and and uh, you know that's that's uh, you had no one to learn. So as as time went on, then I found out that there was, um, you know, I got lucky and I seen there's some guys out there that actually knew what they were, that they knew something about horses and they read horses. And I went, holy smokes, I've never, uh, I never seen that before. And they were doing doing some things that I, like say even tying a halter, I'm putting a halter, halter on a horse. They even put a halter on a horse and I went, well, uh, well, nobody told me that before.
0: Yeah. I didn't know yeah.
1: I've been putting, I've been, you know, I halter a horse every day, all day, met multiple horses. Nobody ever said that once. Nobody yeah. even explained that to me, even how to put a halter on. And I've said that to people in the past. They said, well, hey, I want to come and train for you. And I go, well, you don't even know how to put a halter on, so you can't train for me. <laughs> 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 you know, they get a little mad about that. Like, what do you mean? Uh, I've been putting halters on all my life. I said, yeah, wrong. Yeah, just like I did. I said, you've been putting them on wrong. So, no, you'd have a lot to learn before you could actually be a trainer at my barn or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyways, I run into that, thank goodness, and found out, you know, and there was good explanation as to why you put a halter on and why you do this and why you do that and why you tie an halter. And, and it wasn't just... Um, He's stupid. He likes it. Uh, There was a reason, you know. And I tell people all the time: there's a reason horses do things. So they go, "I don't know what happened. He just did it for no reason." I said, "Oh yeah, there was a reason. Yeah. You may have missed the reason." But there I, was yeah, I hate to break it to reason. you, but you missed it. Yeah, yeah, there was a definite reason. He's probably been telling you for two hours a week, two months. I don't know. He's he's been telling you for a long time, but you you've been missing the mat, you're missing what he's telling you, and and. Of course, you've got to deliver these messages to people somewhat, softly, because nobody wants to hear, you know, if you've been doing horses and stuff all your life, nobody wants to hear you missed it, and no, there was a reason, and he didn't just just do it, um, but to speed things up, you can only fluff things so long. You, to speed things up, you go, well, let's get to the good stuff, let's get to the let's get to the meat and potatoes of this so we can fix it and we can make a difference with it. Um, too much fluff and pillows takes a long time and you don't get to the meat and potatoes of the situation. But anyways, I seen there was a difference. I seen that, Oh man, one simple little thing changed and, uh, and your problems with the horses, you know, this big immense problem that seems to have had forever it disappears. He's gone. So I started applying some of those things and and uh, thinking, oh, my Lord, why has nobody ever told me this? How could I go through life this many years with horses and nobody knew it? Nobody seen it. So I started getting around professionals that that's the only thing they do is, uh, you know, that's their whole career, their whole life. And I said, found out that because somebody charges money for something does not mean you want to listen to them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, It's a huge – it's a huge – I can't say hurdle. Well, maybe it is a hurdle, right? That that we gen we being humans generally equate time or experience of time to value, right? So just because you like you talked about, just because you've been doing it ten years, yeah, doesn't mean there's any value in those ten years. Yeah, I mean, doesn't mean there's any it, credibility in those ten years. Doesn't mean you're even going about things the right way in those ten years. No. But so oftentimes, because we all got to start somewhere, right? That's what we. That's what we equate to experience. Well, this guy's been doing it. or This girl's been doing it ten years. They got to know something. Let me go learn from them.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. And those uh, that group of people, um, you know, they could get the job done. You know, like. They could get the job done. When I say that, I say that very loosely. We would get from point A to B with these horses and we would get them saddled or we'd get this string of horses four days down the trail through the, the river and the mountains and stuff. We'd get there. Guaranteed the horses are all there. So they get the job done. But oh my goodness the problems and things that we encountered and how we handled them was very, very differently than what needed, what, what we should have been doing, what we could have been doing. And the problems, most of the problems wouldn't have ar- ar- arose. And <clears throat> for what we're wanting from these horses and what we're going to do with these horses down the road, your approach in the beginning is so important. It's important all the way through, but it's even more important in the beginning of a horse's, you know, exposure to people so we'd put more problems into these ho- these horses that like to pull back and the cow kick and strike and stuff. Most of that was man-made, you know, or or not taken out in the first place. Like you you set the horse up to where he had no choice but to cow kick and strike because he was so worried with the approach you're using or you never taught him to, you know, follow a feel on a halter. So you just tied him up. And, and most horses, thank goodness, because that's a lot of times, that's how horses – you know, that's how horses – that's how people do it or they just tie them up yeah, and, yeah. and luckily horses amazing as they are will figure it out and deal with it. But, um, you know, had we done it correctly, like I would say now, you know, those horses that pulled back would never have pulled back and, and you know, they don't lead even though you're, you know, you're, you know, when I say lead, when I say if a horse is broke to lead, if I say, Oh, he's broke, broke to lead, um, I would say he never what I call stays inside the halter. I call it staying inside the halter, so that clip on my lead line, I have a clip on the lead line in between the halter and the lead line, and that clip stays up and down. that's in neutral so if I lift that clip and move the clip forward, I tip the clip forward the horse hustles up there and puts that gets that clip hanging straight down again. so if I tip the clip left or right, he hustles over there and gets that clip hanging down in neutral. And so when I can do that at all different speeds and, and whatnot and forwards and backwards and right and left, then I say he's broke. We'd be dragging these horses down the trail literally with our arms straight out behind us and your body's cocked off to one side and you've got one speed and it's slow. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody's throwing yeah. sticks out of behind trying to get the horse to get going. And they would call that broke to lead. And uh, so, Yeah. And there, that's of course a perspective on what leading is, or riding is, or you know, liberty is, or whatever. So if you get into the real horsemanship, you part of it, your perspective, what you've seen is what you're you're going to accept. So that's all I'd seen is a, everybody with their arm pulled off out of their sockets, dragging the horse down the trail, and they said, "Yeah, he's broke the lead. That one's broke the lead. That one's broke the lead." Well, now I would say he's not even close to broke the lead. Yeah, he's, he's got a little,
0: little bit to work on. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's true, though, right? Because your perception becomes your reality, and and this is no fault to to anybody in the horse world. Because I I'm just as guilty as the next person, right? You you lay your confidence in somebody that you think is experienced, and genuinely they are more experienced than yourself. However, right there are other ways of going about business, and when you really get into this horsemanship thing, I mean your level of refinement is is indefinite you know i i truly think you can always improve on every single aspect of horsemanship but having the willingness to to push that envelope can be frustrating sometimes because oftentimes it is a discouraging road because for the lion's share of us we travel that road alone very few people have genuine mentors that they can invest in you know so now i want to kind of talk about some of your early mentors and then the lessons that you learned and what kind of created that drive in you to give back
1: well when i found out that there was when i so when i've been around horses for that long and then i realized holy smokes am i missing the boat here if i'm gonna you know i knew that i was going to be in horses for the rest of my life and i'd said at one time i'd like a career in the horse industry you know but i didn't know anybody that had a career it. No. i did know people that give lessons and they you know work at the gas station and they give riding lessons you know you know three four hours of riding lessons a week well nobody can live on that and uh and it was you know i was thinking well i might as well give riding lessons too because i know i've spent more time and with horses than they have by a long shot so this person's calling themselves a teacher an instructor or whatever and uh so i thought well i'm not even gonna go get any lessons or anything from anybody because why would i've got a bazillion hours more than they have and and um so anyways i would When I did see that there is actually some people out there, the Tom Dorances and the Ray Hunts and and, uh, Pat Pirellis and stuff of the world that were, you know, there's some super good horsemen out there that were doing some unbelievably things and had some really, they had a different, you know, uh, they had a whole different approach to things and a different thought pattern that I thought, well, now that is something that I need to find out about. Um, Oftentimes people mistake confidence For knowledge so they will their friend is more confident than them so they will get advice or lessons from their friend that is confident
0: that's a good one i like that
1: yeah so often oftentimes i see it here all the time i'll see somebody that actually knows more about horses and has more skills and they're taking advice from somebody that's more confident so they're not a very confident rider or something like that or a little bit nervous around horses but you actually have more skills and more more skill set and more knowledge more feeling and timing than the person you're getting advice from,
0: yeah, yeah, but
1: they're but but they're they're confused, you know they they confuse the the fact that they have confidence, So they go, oh, well, they must know a lot because they're very confident, uh, so I found that interesting over twenty years of teaching and longer than that with you know being around horses and whatnot, there's certain patterns that just keep popping up, popping up, popping up. And you keep seeing this, and you keep scratching your head, Go, what on earth are they asking that person for? Can they not see? And I go, you know what? It's confidence. It's the confidence that's making them ask. And there's all these, all different situations, just one of them. But that's one of the things, one of the patterns that you'll see in in people is that they uh, will follow somebody with confidence. <clears throat> not that they're giving them any good tips or advice. It <laughs> be <or> terrible <laughs> advice, but the confidence, uh, so they listen and they pay.
0: Yeah, you're <laughs> um, right.
1: So anyways, I started, you know, back on the, you were saying, my mentors and stuff. So I tried to get hanging out with the best in the world and spending as much time as I could with them and doing exactly what they said. And uh, I spent a ton of time with Pat Pirelli and and um, he's been here at my house and I've spent, I've lived in his house and and I used to spend three months a year going to his ranch and doing whatever he told me to do. and you know, riding, I never got off a horse, hardly hell, sometimes they'd come looking for me, I remember yeah. them coming looking for me, because I was up in the mountain in the dark at 11 or 12 o'clock at night, they'd come up wondering where, they would know, figure I got hurt or got hung up, And no, I was just still out riding, so we do our six hours or eight hours of lessons or something during the day, and then I'd have supper or something, jump on my horse and be gone again, and uh, and and sometimes i'm practicing like crazy on something but other times i'm just off riding through the mountains and by myself and whatever and they'd come looking for me and give me hell and i go well relax people i do this all the time i'm yeah, just to trying bed. to figure some stuff I'm, out <laughs> yeah i'm just out here enjoying the scenery it's pitch black you can't see nothing <laughs> so yeah but so yeah somebody would tell somebody hey glenn's not back but uh so anyway i spent spend three months a year doing that it's interesting. I don't know why these three months of the year things keep popping up, come to think of it, but yeah. there's three months in the mountains. There's three months I'd go there and spend that. And then, uh, um, while I was doing that, I started taking these self-improvement leadership training type courses as well on the side. I would take, you know, Tony Robbins and these different guys that are in that field, Harvecker and, and, uh, Start spending time with them, and and I went, man, this is what they're preaching. Has a lot to do with horsemanship, and horsemanship has a lot to do with that. And I said, holy smokes, this is all. This whole life and horsemanship and stuff really seems to be very closely related. <laughs> um, but, anyways, yeah, I would just follow these guys and realize that that uh, for all the time I'd been around horses, man, I I didn't know enough to fill a thimble. I can get the job done. You give me a bunch of horses I could get from point A to B, so I will never regret those years. I mean, I couldn't, they're worth gold because even better, because we, the way we went about it and what we had to get done, the jobs that we had to get done, the way we went about it, you really had to get serious about getting it done because you weren't going to, you had to
0: handle it. You had to deal perform. It. it was an ultimatum. You had, to,
1: you had to get there and do it. Um, because uh, there's nobody else doing it for you. You might be the only person there um, or there might be two and you have 13 head of horses and nothing was prepared properly and you didn't have any good knowledge on how to do stuff. So you just had to get it done. So you learn that skill, which is huge. It's a huge skill that no matter what, you're going to get it done. That yeah, It's almost a lesson thing.
0: in self-reliance, right? It's a
1: total lesson in I can't fall on a friend and, you know,
0: I can't go, well, <laughs> let's do, the top, so we'll <laughs> yeah. do it later,
1: or, you know, Dial a friend, and or, you know, or I'm going to Google this and see what it says on Google, and uh, you know, call somebody to to deal with this. You you were in a in a place where there was nobody to call or Google, and and in them days there was no Google, anyways, um, and no cell phones, and they wouldn't have worked out there anyhow. So you just had to deal with it, and it was way more difficult to deal with because uh, you didn't have the knowledge as to why the horses were doing what they were doing. So fantastic learning experience. And that was that was all in the mountains, which I've mentioned to you before, where I used to go up, well, I still do, go to the mountains. But uh, then I found out, well, there's a whole bunch of ways all this stuff could get done with a little bit of refinement, a little bit of understanding, and a little bit of feeling timing, a little bit reading the horse, watching the horse, finding out there's some things going on with the horse that we all missed before because we didn't even know to look. There's all these thoughts that you have in your head when they, when they tell you oh, he likes that, and he's just going to do it, period. You know, there's just no way that horse ain't going to pull back. He just loves to pull back <laughs> or that one's always hard to catch. And there's no, there was never any time there where they said, well, he's hard to catch because of the way we treat him and he pulls back because we don't know nothing about getting a, a following the field. And, you know, you know, nobody ever said that.
0: Thanks again, everybody for listening to this episode of let freedom rain podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under let freedom rain podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, Go to patreon.com forward slash let freedom podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.